actual, actual footage from the event. <laughs> um, look, we're all here today because of that. We're all here today because the Holy Spirit came and led a small number of Jesus followers out into the world to share about who he is, about what's it mean to live with him, to show Jesus to everybody for the sake of us, for our salvation, for the salvation of all those around you. Uh, this was God's plan. This was all God's plan, led by the Spirit, and, and you can't stop that. You just can't stop that. The Roman Empire tried to burn it out. They couldn't. You can't stop that. It's God's plan. Um, dictators and philosophies and political movements and, and individual-led uh, organizations have tried to end the church, but it's God's plan, and it can't be stopped. Uh, we're going to take some time today. Take some time to just understand the role and the reason of the Holy Spirit as we continue to prepare ourselves for listening to what God wants us to do, who he wants us to be as we head into the rest of this year. Um, my name is Brian. I want to welcome you all here to Central. I'm one of the pastors here. If you're watching us online, thank you for joining us. Um, we're doing this series on the Holy Spirit, three weeks, to just kind of get us in tune, to be aware of what's, who he is, what's his purpose, how he works, so that we can follow him into God's future for us here at Central. Um, real quick uh, statement, though, before we get started. This, il the illnesses that are going around, for the first time, they watched the news, but last night was the first time they're starting to put numbers again on the news. They haven't talked about Omicron and flu numbers for ages, and now they're doing it again, this new variant's here. So just want to remind you, if you feel more comfortable wearing a mask, wear a mask. And don't worry about if people can't tell if you're singing or smiling or not. If you don't want to wear a mask, that's all up to you. It's fine. But we have masks out front if you want it. But I'm just saying that's just that season. So no one looks at anybody funny anymore. I think we're just kind of used to it. Uh, so feel free to just do you, and, and it's all right. Now, we're going to dive into this thing about the Holy Spirit. I don't know how to do this quickly. Uh, so sit back and relax. And if you drift off, it's okay. If you see somebody nodding and it's not like, oh yeah, but it's nodding like this, just a little nudge, you know, just a little nudge is okay. Just don't make it a big deal, but just shift a little bit and they'll kind of come up and, you know, it's all right. So in the church today, the capital C Church, uh, we have a lot of funny assumptions about the Holy Spirit, a lot of funny definitions about the Holy Spirit. Uh, it's turned into, the Holy Spirit has turned into something of an experience that we chase after. Uh, we, uh, it's something that we uh, talk about pouring out on people. It's something we call down and say, Holy Spirit, come down. It's something we refer to as it. Things have kind of changed. Uh, people start babbling in tongues, and miracles happen, and prophetic stuff breaks out, and we schedule it. We schedule it, and that'll happen this Sunday. Come this Sunday night at 7 p.m., and you'll see that happen as if we can dictate God's uh, calendar and tell him what to do. And I think we've missed something simple about the Holy Spirit. We've missed the simple definition of the Holy Spirit. So what I want to do is pick up an ax again. And just kind of go from what Jesus talks about. So Acts 1, chapter, uh, chapter 1, verse 4. Jesus says, don't leave Jerusalem, but wait. Wait for the gift my Father has promised, which you have heard me speak about. Pay attention to that. Which you have heard me speak about. Now, if you have your Bibles with you or you can highlight your, your app on your phone, where did Jesus talk about this? John. 
John 14 and 15. So guess where we're going this morning? John 14 and 15. Let's get back to what Jesus talked about. Uh, When the disciples were sitting there and Jesus says, wait, wait, I'm going to give you a gift, a gift from my dad. They weren't, wait, wait, you're going to send us the Holy Ghost? No, because they were nodding because they heard him teach about this. They started to go, ah, that's what you, ah, and they started putting pieces together. So to better understand the Holy Spirit, why don't we look at what Jesus said? So we're going to go focus on John 14 and 15. So grab your Bibles, John 14 and 15. Uh, get your apps out on your phones. We'll follow along, and let's read. We're going to the upper room. Okay, we're going back to the upper room. We're going to go to that last night that the disciples spent with Jesus, that Last Supper story. Now remember what the story looked like? They're sitting at a table. They're all sitting on one side of the table because it was a good photo op, lousy seating arrangements, but they knew this had to be marked in a painting. And I don't know why that happened. And um, so there's this last night, and there's these last words, and, and there's this last night of freedom with the disciples. They all know someone's going to die. Disciples know that. They're picking up on the vibes. They just don't know how many bodies are going to be on the floor the next day. But they all know what's going to happen. And the tension is thick. And he wants them to know that although it seems like all hell is breaking loose, there's a plan here. It's the plan of God. It's the plan of heaven. You're waiting to be a kingdom. You're waiting for something extraordinary to happen in your life. And I'm telling you, I got something bigger than you. And this is what he starts to talk about. Let me show you how it's going to work. So then he starts in John 14. If you love me, keep my commands, he says. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him. For he lives with you and will be with you. And the disciples are going, huh? What? We just finished our last meal with you. Judas has run out of the room. You're about to go to a garden. You've been telling us that you're about to die. And you say, I have everything under control? Really? You say, look, I got to go. But just before I go, I got to let you know I have everything under control. And Jesus basically says, look, I'm about to go. But please know, my father has many rooms. Many rooms. If it wasn't so, I would have told you. So I'm going to go prepare a place for you. And where I am, you will be also. And the stuff was like, so where are you going? We don't know where you're going. Tell us where you're going, and we'll meet you there. But we don't know how to get there. How do you get there? And Jesus says, sure you do. You know, I am the way and the truth and the life. And, and no one gets to heaven but through me. And the disciples are sitting around the table like, okay, well then show us. Can you show us God? What, what do you mean? I don't understand this after you've seen. And Jesus says, don't you understand? You have seen the I am for three years. I have lived with you and I have walked with you and I have eaten with you. How can you say, show us God? You have seen me. So therefore you have seen God. So here's the plan. I'm about to go. All right, I'm going to leave, and when I leave, I'm going to send you a helper. I'm going to send you a counselor, an advocate, and he's going to, he's going to guide you. He's going to be the spirit of truth. He's going to teach you how to walk in truth, and the spirit be with you, and the spirit's going to be in you, and the disciples like, what? 
what? What? I, what are you talking about? He's, it's like a GPS system, he says. It's, it's, but it's not on your phone. It's going to be in you. and It's going to guide you, and it's going to tell you if you go off track, and don't turn here, but turn here, and, and here's where you're supposed to go, but it's in you. You got it? And the supper's like, no, no. And he goes, okay, let me explain it more. Let me explain it. Look at the next verse, verse 21. Whoever has my commands, he says, and keeps them, well, he's the one that loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. But then Judas, not Judas Scariot, because he, you know, he did, she ran out already. But Lord, why do you tend to show yourself to us and not the world? And the supper's like, but, but Jesus, so do only do only your followers get the Holy Spirit and the world doesn't get the Holy Spirit? Like, they're asking, well, who's in and who's out and how do we know they're part of the club and they're not part of the club? And then Jesus replies in verse 23, well, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them and, and, and will come to them and make our home in them, with them. And anyone who does not love me, well, they will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own, he says. They actually belong to the Father who sent me. And all this I have spoken while I'm with you, while I'm still with you. And he contends. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, well, he's going to teach you things. He's going to teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said to you. And at that point, he kind of stands up for the table and goes, so let's go, okay? We got a plan. Let's go. And he goes to the door. He turns around, and they're all still sitting at the table. And he's like, what? Are, are we going? And they're like sitting there, possums in a headlight. Like, what's he going? What's going on? And, and he goes, well, don't you understand? And they're like, <laughs> No, we don't understand. And he says, well, the Holy Spirit is for those who obey me. I'm the Lord of their life. They, they walk in me, and, and I will walk in them. It's the spirit of truth, and it's the spirit of truth will actually be in you. Just as God is in me, well, I'll be in you. So do you get it now? And they're like, no. This is so bizarre. No, I don't get this. And they go, well, would it help if I drew a picture? And they're like, yeah, draw a picture. So he goes, okay. So he goes to John 15, and he draws a picture. He says, I'm the true vine. And my father, well, he's a gardener. Now, he knows a lot of them are farmers. He's saying, fishermen, try and keep up. And he's telling them all. And he goes, he cuts off the branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. So it'll be even more fruitful. You're already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. So remain. Just remain in me. Also, as I will also remain in you. Because no branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I'm the vine. You're the branches. Get the picture? If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So he says, guys, look, I'm about to get arrested. You're going to watch me get beaten and taken to a cross. And you need to really understand this is how church is going to work after I'm gone. 
And he kind of sits around, and he looks at these stunned mullets at the table, and he goes, okay, like this, okay, look. And he probably takes a piece of fruit or something. And he goes, look, uh, this is a garden, all right? This table's a garden, and, and I'm a vine. And he probably picks like a fork or something. He goes like, and you, well, you're a, you're a branch on that vine. Okay, you're a branch. And, and they're, they've walked along vineyards. They're kind of pitching. They're getting in. They're like, yeah, okay, I get it. So, so guys, so you understand what you are? And they're like, yeah, we're the good wine. He goes, no, you're not the good wine. It's not about you. You're the branch. You're this fork just stuck in a piece of fruit, all right? You're just stuck in me. That's all you are. And so how does a branch, what's a branch have to do to bear fruit? And they go, well, nothing. And he's like, no, that's not right. It has to stay connected to the vine. That's what works. So that's it. That's the whole plan. Stay in me, he says. And they're like, well, how do we do that? What what, what do we do? I goes, I just told you four times obey me, obey me, obey me. If you love me, you'll obey me. You'll remain in my word, he says. If you remain in, your, in my word, well, then you'll be with me. And if you don't obey me, well, what happens to the branch? Well, it uh, disconnects, and it kind of shrivels up, and yeah, and you toss it to the side, and they dry out because it doesn't bear fruit anymore, and you throw it out. And he says, yeah, outside of the garden, because that's all it's good for. And then he goes, now, there's going to be something you're going to do, and you're going to go through life. And a good branch is going to grow fruit. It's going to bear grapes. But sometimes a branch needs to be shaped a little bit. It needs to be transformed a little bit. It needs to get cut down a little bit. It needs to be pressed, a little, and that's called pruning pruning. And because of that pruning, it's going to make the branch even healthier. You've seen grapes, and they're like, yeah, yeah. And because of that pruning, you will bear the best fruit ever. But all you have to do is remain. Apart from the vine, this branch can do nothing. So that's what I'm setting up here, guys. Do you get it? And they're kind of, that's God's master plan. But Jesus looks at them, and they're all kind of like, a branch fits in the vine, and, and it goes, okay, let me continue. He goes, and he says this, look, if you don't remain in me, you're like a branch that is thrown away, and it withers. Such branches are picked up, they're thrown in the fire, and they're burned, but if you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. See, when you're walking with me, he says, your heart and your desires are going to be of the same spirit, of my spirit, and when you pray with the spirit, in the spirit, the spirit's going to produce in you what he wants. You're not going to have selfish prayers. And like, wait, so you're just saying, remain in me and ask whatever you want and you get. So if I pay attention to the Bible and the Word of God and I pray for a jag, well, then uh, I'm going to get a jag. And he's like, well, no, that's not quite how it works. Unless, of course, your ministry is with the White Cattle Jag Club. And if that's the case, do that and invite me to come along. And um, so he goes on, but this is what it means. Remain, he says, remain in me. 
If you remain in me, my words remain in you. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Now listen to this word remain. Listen how much he goes on about it. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remained in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for their friends. If you are my friends, you will do what I command. And then he jumps to this verse here in 26. So when the advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. And you also must testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. And all this I have told you so that you will not go astray. See, when the Holy Spirit comes into your life, he says, it's going to testify and it's going to reveal God to you. And you can't help but then reveal God to other people. That's the whole plan. And he's leaning on the table, getting kind of excited. And that's why we're still part of that plan today. We here at Central, Christians all over the world, still part of that master plan today. So what does the Holy Spirit have to do with that master plan? That's the question we ask. In John 16, he goes on, he says, but very truly I tell you, for it is for your good that I'm going away. Because unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. That's why I'm dying on the cross, he says. That's why I'm going away. While I'm here physically, I'm here one place at one time as one Jesus, and there's like long lines. You saw what happened. We fed 5,000 people, everybody, talked. they all wanted to talk to me after us. You saw how long that line was? We don't wanna do that. That's not a good plan. It's not an opportunity for everybody to see me. But after I go away, my spirit will be in all places, in all of you, at all times. That's a lot of lines. And everyone's going to have access to me through you and 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 you. That's the plan. He goes, it's brilliant. Don't you get it? It's a much better plan. And he goes on. John 15. When he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin, because people do not believe in me. About righteousness, because I'm going to the Father where you can see me no longer. And about judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. There's so much here. John 14, 15, 16, 17. Pick it up. Read it this week. Go through it. Sit at the table with him. Hear him talk to you. Put the pieces together because we're on the other side of resurrection. Soak it all in. Four chapters, almost all of it of Jesus speaking. And his entire message is, I got this covered. I'm in charge of all of this. Yes, I'm going to die. Yeah, I'm going to let them kill me, but I'm going to rise again. Why? Because this is how I'm going to pull off church. This is how it happens. Well, how are you going to do that? Are you going to elect some elders? No, no, no. We're going to do it through the Holy Spirit. The Spirit will be with you. The Spirit will be in you. The Spirit will also convict you of sin. And that little voice that says, I probably shouldn't be doing that. I probably shouldn't be watching that. I probably shouldn't keep taking that. 
I probably shouldn't be clicking on that. I probably shouldn't be doing this. I probably shouldn't go back there. I probably shouldn't talk to her that way. I probably shouldn't put my hands there. Where do you think that comes from? That doesn't just come from mommy and daddy and how they rose you. See, Jesus says that doesn't come from you. See, Brian, he says everything in you says do it, do it, do it. You can get away with it. I can get away with it. No more will know. But the Holy Spirit says stop. Just stop. You're made for something better. And that's the point. Conviction isn't shame and wagging your finger. It's that you're made for something better than this. And then the Spirit will show you righteousness because you can no longer have me right around you uh, all your life to see me. So the Spirit will produce righteousness in your life and the Spirit will then kill the power of sin in your life because that's what the Spirit does. In every person who follows Jesus, in every Christian, this is God's plan. John 14, 15, 16, 17. That's why Jesus told the disciples, wait for the gift that I have taught you about. Remember that long dinner we had? That's what this was about. The entire time in that upper room, this was the plan I was setting up. Okay, so what do we do with that? What do we do with John 14, 15, 16, 17? I think we take away a few things. First of all, we need to take away something that's really important because it changes how we approach the Holy Spirit completely. The Spirit is a who, not a what. Now, sometimes I slip up. And I'll call the Spirit it. And when I do, you have all the Christians raise your hand and go, "Mm -mm." all right? The Spirit's a who. It's not a force to call upon, to control, to use as we like, to pull out the Jedi Jedi mind trick when it's time. No, it doesn't work that way. It's not a, a movement of God in that place, in that church, on that side of town, off that event with that specific speaker that we can then tap into. That's not how the Holy Spirit works. The Spirit's not something that is poured out on a place that we drive to, that we get plane tickets and fly to, and we try to get there to get a piece of that action. That's not how it works. If you're running after the Holy Spirit, you're running after yourself. Because the Spirit's already with you. Our job is pay attention to remain, to remain, to remain, to remain. See, the Spirit of God is in every believer, every person who says, I'm a follower of Jesus. That's Jesus' teaching, not mine. That's not Brian's conservative theology. That's Jesus saying that. See, the church, we have culturally, in the Western world, kind of flipped it around the wrong way. We've kind of turned it upside down a little bit. The Holy Spirit is a who, not a what. That's why Jesus says, I have given you my words. I've given you my love. Just remain, 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 remain. Oh yeah, and remain. 11 times, 12 verses, he says, remain in my words, remain in my obedience, remain in my love, and I will remain in you. And I will produce fruit in your life. And I will charge your life, uh, sorry, change your life. And I will change all those around you. Because apart from me, you can do nothing. Nothing. Without God's spirit, Christianity is a guilt-producing strive. Without God's spirit, Christianity is just hard work. It's hard judgmental work. It's a book of do's and don'ts that I can never pull off, that I can never match up to. It's a a righteous pressure that I will just crumble under. 
that I will never be able to satisfy. See, without the Holy Spirit, we would live with constant guilt and shame because none of us are perfect. You cannot do anything of what the Bible says we are to do on your own. You have to do it with the Holy Spirit. You cannot do the Christian life. God says, I will do it for you. Because you're right, you can't. You can't live up to a God-like standard. You can't be like Jesus. So I'm going to do it for you. And here's my frustration. Depending on the Christian crowd that I'm hanging with at the time, depending on the event that I go to or the conference that I go to at the time, sometimes I am labeled a conservative, non-spirit-filled person. Then the very next weekend, I'll go to another event, and there I'm labeled as a spirit-filled, chandelier-swinging Pentecostal. <laughs> and it just, you can't make people happy on this one. You just can't. I can't put enough emphasis on the Holy Spirit with some people, and I put too much emphasis on the Holy Spirit with others. So this is where I land. Guess the word? Remain. Where I land is obedience. Because every place that Jesus talks about the Holy Spirit, all he wanted was obedience. That's what remaining is. In that, remain. In that, and I will work and do all things. In that, I will bear fruit in you. In that, I will change you. In that, you will do even greater things that I did while I was here. See, outside of remaining in Jesus, Jesus can't do anything with me or through me. All right, look at this. All right, we have the cross, right? And we have the empty tomb. And, and in between there, we stand. We stand between the cross and the empty tomb. Uh, and they have this in-between space. Now, here's a picture of the New Testament. The New Testament that is like this. When I grew up, the church that I grew up in, it really emphasized the cross and what Jesus did for me and how Jesus died for me and that he forgave my sins. And once I understand that, then I ask Jesus into my life, and for the rest of my life, I work for him. How's that for wonderful good news? Right? What a pathetically narrow view of Christianity. What a non-biblical view of Christianity. To ask Jesus into your life, and for the rest of your life, you work for him. And you try to please him. And you try to keep him happy. And everybody else that calls people Christians, and all of a sudden you're making everybody unhappy. So you leave that church, you go to the next one, keep people happy for a couple months, and then they kick you. That's not my history, but I'm just saying. (laughs) That's what it's like. (laughs) See, now this is sort of like Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, sort of, but it forgets the rest of the New Testament. It forgets everything that happened in Acts. It forgets a lot of the teachings of Jesus Christ. See, Jesus did die on the cross for me, yes. To make me a better person? No. To make me my, and my life better? No. He doesn't want to make my life better. My life isn't worth fixing. He doesn't want to tweak, and this reno job is too expensive. I'm not going to do this. He wants to start it all over in me. He died for me to take my life from me. All right? That's the whole dead to sin thing. That's the whole old self, new self thing. That's all over the New Testament. That's why the symbol of of Christianity once you become a follower of Jesus is baptism, right? Baptism. 
and you dunk you in water, and then they pull you out of water. Why? Because baptized symbolizes you've been, bapt- you've been buried, your old self is dead, and then your old dreams and your old wishes are dead, and your own desires are dead. You die to your old self because it's not good. And then we pull you out of the water. And when we pull you out of the water, we pull you out of water. It's not only because you've been forgiven, not only because you've been washed clean, it's because you're now a brand new person. A brand new person. And the whole water thing is a whole lot better of a symbol than digging a hole, throwing you in there, and throwing dirt on you. It gets osh involved, and it's risky, and we don't go there. But see, that's why baptism is such a good thing. Jesus died on the cross for me to take my life uh, from me so that now he can live his life in me. That's the circle. The cross forgave me, cleared the decks, so the Spirit of God can be in me. See, the Spirit of God cannot be in a sinful Brian. The Spirit of God cannot inhibit, uh, inhabit a sinful life. So because of the cross, I'm no longer called sinner. God calls me saint because of that cross. And when I do start thinking myself as a sinner, or we have a guest preacher, someone that starts to tell me that I'm a sinner, I gotta remember Jesus and the Holy Spirit saying, no, you're not. You're not a sinner. I took care of that. Stop calling yourself a sinner. Don't listen to that guest speaker that's calling you a sinner. You're now a saint. You're a new person because you gave your life to Jesus. I filled you with my spirit. You are now a saint. I died on the cross for you to take your life from you so that now I can live this life in you. So then look what happens. As a result, uh, because of the cross, the cross takes care of where I'm going. I'm now going to call heaven home. I'm now going to heaven. It's changed my destination. But the empty tomb changes who I am. It changed my destiny. It changes my purpose and my significance and my identity. Uh, This is what the Holy Spirit thing is all about. It's it's allowed me to... uh, become a Christian. Is that here? Yeah. It's allowed me to become a Christian. I'm now a follower of Jesus. That's what happened because of the cross. But the empty tomb and Jesus giving of his his Holy Spirit allows me to be a Christian. It set me apart. This is what sets apart Christianity from every other religion. He rose from the dead, not just to prove victory over sin, not just to prove that he has dominion over life and death, but also to live his perfect will in me, his purpose in me, his life in me. He says, but God demonstrates his own life, his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. All right? No surprise, right? We all get that church setting. We get that. But since I have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if we were still God's, so if we were God's enemy, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more have we been reconciled, uh, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? While you were still sinners, he loved you, he died for you. How much more now that you follow him and love him and have allowed him to be the leader of your life, how much more is he going to show up, be involved, lead you, guide you, help you do stuff for his purposes. 
See, it wasn't until I was 22 years old in a Christian uni group when I first heard that there's more to Christianity than get get saved from hell and now work for him. It wasn't until later on. I used to just think what that meant was you're saved from hell, now do nice things for other people. See, you can sing to a dead Jesus. You can pray to a dead Jesus. You can worship a dead Jesus. You can even follow a dead Jesus. But you can't get abundant life from a dead Jesus. If you think you're saved because he died for you, how much more is your salvation going to be lived out when you understand he actually lives? And he lives in you and through you. See, the cross forgave my sin, but his life in me gives me power over sin. The cross has changed my destination from hell to heaven, but the empty tomb and the spirit now has God living heaven in me and through me. What's up there has come down here, and now it's in here, and it goes out from there. See, this is the Holy Spirit. This is the person of Jesus Christ. Uh, This is why Jesus used the pronoun he, he, all the time. The Spirit of God is the person of Jesus Christ. So when we think of the Holy Spirit as personal, a lot of times we just think means, well, he personally died for me. I'm personally saved. No, 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 no. Please don't turn the Holy Spirit into like a lolly dispenser because it's not about us. The Spirit of God is the person of Jesus Christ. It's not an entity. It's not an impersonal force. It's the life of Christ in us. The advocate, the counselor, the spirit of truth. It's that little Jiminy cricket in your ear, right? And says, uh, Brian, why are you doing that? Why are you going there? Why are you clicking on that? Why are you, you need to apologize. Brian, you need to stop. Brian, you need to remember who you are. Don't, don't take that. Don't, don't listen to that. Don't let that be a part of who you are, because that's not who you are. You're a saint. So be generous. Live with joy. See, we can walk in that, or we can silence that. But the main job of the Holy Spirit is to make us mature. It's to make us spiritually mature. The Holy Spirit's role is not to break out in huge manifestations and crazy ways. The role of the Holy Spirit is to make us grow up to be spiritually mature. He's going to convict us of sin. He's going to produce righteousness in our life. And these are Jesus' words, not mine. He will convict you of the truth. He will testify in your life that Jesus is real. And then he's going to give you something to share with other people about him being real. That's the Spirit's role. In fact, Galatians talks about that through the Spirit, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control. The Holy Spirit says, Brian, I'm going to I'm going to make you more loving. Brian, I'm going to make you more kind to Rachel and all your daughters. I'm going to make you the kind of husband she deserves, the kind of father your girls deserve. I'm going to make you more patient and and self-controlled because, boy, that California boy needs to be chained up sometimes. And, and, And when he wants to play and you rattle his cage, he comes out and play, and it's an embarrassment to all Christian movements. So you're not part of that old life. So I'm going to change that. And I'm going to live in you. And I'm going to give you new life. That's the fruit of spirit in your life. And, and, and you're going to live in a way that you want to share it. And you want to show it to all those that are around you. Because that's God's master plan. That's his plan. That's his only plan. We're plan A. We're not plan B. He has one plan. We're plan A. The spiritual is to glorify God through us.
through all of us together. So why then? Why do you get the Spirit? Because remember the video? What Jesus said? It's to be his witnesses. We get the Spirit to be his witnesses. Has it ever dawned on you that Jesus has more faith in who he has put in you than you have in him? Let me say that again. Has it ever dawned on you that Jesus has more faith in who he has put in you than you have in him? And God's saying, look, this is my church. This is my spirit. It is unstoppable. And you get to choose. You want to be a part of that or not? But when you do choose, watch what happens. Your plan A, there's no plan B. So remain, 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 remain. And watch what Jesus does in you and watch what he does through you. But here's the thing about Christianity. Nothing's forced. Nothing's forced in Christianity. There are no shoulds. There are no shame. There is choice. It's all choice. And your choice is either walk in the Spirit or silence the Spirit. We're going to talk about that next week. We're going to talk about what this means next week. But the Spirit wants you to grow spiritually. He wants to grow His kingdom in you and through you, not your kingdom. Not what you want. It's what He wants in us. He won't be a part of our sinful choices. So, how do you walk in the Spirit? Big guess, right? You remain. You love Jesus, you obey Jesus, you remain in his words. You simply submit yourself to Jesus fully in obedience and watch what you do in that. And that's about a lifestyle, which we will talk about again next week. But the reality is, it's a gift. The Holy Spirit is a gift. And you can live in it or you can silence it. You can live in sin and build your own kingdom and put your own uh, kind of conditions on your generosity and on your presence and on your helpfulness and make it about your glory. And I promise when you do that, you will not hear a whisper of God's voice in your ear because it's not about us. Why would he do that? I didn't send my son to die on the cross, go to hell on your behalf. We rose again to, and brought back into heaven, sent my presence to you and my Holy Spirit to help you do your thing. He says, this is about what I want. This is about changing the world on my behalf. And you get to be a part of that. See, the Holy Spirit's not an experience. It's a way of life. The experience comes from walking in that way of life. You walk in that way of life, you will see signs. You will see wonders. You will see miracles. You will see stuff happen. The people in the, Old Te- in the New Testament, they didn't chase after that stuff. They didn't go to conferences to see that stuff. That happened while they remained in obedience. See, our Christian church chases. We chase, chase after religious experience, and it's always the ones we dictate. So we schedule the meetings, and we have the miracle services, and we have the prophecy workshops, and we dictate the time and the agenda for the Holy Spirit. And God goes, Really? Did you, did you not pay attention? Okay, have your fun and games, play. It's all right. But just get back into remaining. When you get back into remaining and practicing what it means to walk with me and live with me and, and play with me, uh, watch what happens. Watch what happens in the lives that I lead you into. See, the Holy Spirit is not about experiences for the sake of experiences. The Holy Spirit says, walk in me and you will experience everything that I want you to do and, and in and through you on the, for the sake of others, for the sake of you. But we get that backwards. 
We get it backwards. We put experiences ahead of remaining and obeying, and then we get frustrated. See, the Holy Spirit's a condition. It's a condition. Be baptized, he says. Remain, obey, love me, walk in me. Be the new life that I have empowered in you to be and remain. Oh, and remain. Oh, and spend some time in the Bible and pray, which is remain. And gather together for worship, which is remain. And be generous and help others and, and be led by me to, to help people in their times of loneliness and need and, and frustration. That's remain. And love one another. That's remain. Remain, 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 remain. And I'll work through you. And you'll see stuff. But it won't be about that. It'll be about the change you see that happens in the life of your neighbor and your family member and your workmate and your churchmates and, and your community. But apart from me, nothing works. Apart from me, it's about a show on a Sunday, and it's about keeping people happy, which we call pastoral care. That's not pastoral care. Pastoral care is helping each other remain and helping each other walk with Jesus together. But apart from God's Spirit, it doesn't work. Let's pray. Father God, thank you that you have this phenomenal master plan you made it so easy to follow. And you made it for us. You made it because you could have chosen to make the rock speak. But instead you chose us to be your plan A. You chose us to trust you and love you and choose to walk with you and to be available to you and to go where you lead and do what you ask. And in that process of remaining and being obedient to you, and how we spend time with you, and how we love one another, and how we intentionally walk away from sin. And in that process, you do miracles. And, 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 you, and you show signs and wonders that point to your son Jesus, and we get to be a part of that. And we get to tell stories about that. And we get to be reminded that we're your plan A. So God, thank you for your son Jesus. Thank you for the extent that you went to make this plan work. Thank you for the generosity of your spirit that you lavish on us as a gift so that you will live in us and through us and around us and guide us and help us do this together. Help us to be a church that uh, walks with eyes and hands wide open to follow you, to be like you, to do what you ask us to do, the way you ask us to do it. And we do this all in Jesus' name. Amen.